Blog Talk Radio. over there sometimes there's some trivia going on there sometimes I just put questions up there that I don't even know the answer to just because I'm too lazy to research it myself so check us out on Facebook again facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy show on Twitter our Twitter handle is at the Ken Reedy show check us out over there always tweeting out some good stuff uh, a lot of times we'll live tweet on um the pay-per-views or Raws, stuff like that. So check us out over there. Follow us on the Twitter. We also throw up polls over there on the Twitter page. And if you want to get on that, there's about 18 hours, 24 minutes left in the poll we got up there on Twitter right now. And this Twitter poll is in the WWE. Who has been AJ Styles' greatest feud? Uh, In fourth place with 9% of the vote is Other. Other, other's a tough competitor. Tied at this point with 23% of the vote is Nakamura and Chris Jericho. Wow. And leading the way, John Cena with 45% of the vote. So it's fact. John Cena is the greatest feud that AJ Styles has in WWE. It's right there in black and white. The, 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 the Cena sucks. Okay. But not according to this. And this is really more important than the IWC. That is. But if you you don't like the results right now, again, we'll be up for about 18 more hours. Um, Get on the Twitter, follow us, answer the poll question. But right now, John Cena is AJ Styles' greatest feud in the WWE. Also check out our website, thecanreadyshow.com. Lots of stuff over there. You can listen to the show on the website, blogs and such over there. 
on thecanreadyshow.com. So be sure to check us out over there. If you listen to us live tonight, give us a call. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. Again, 347-838-9815 is the number to call. You want to talk wrestling? You want to talk backlash? This is the place to do it. Give us a call. Let us know what you're thinking. If you're listening live tonight, if you're listening to us pre-recorded, what's awesome about that is you can judge us all for our picks because you'll have the 2020 hindsight. You're listening to us on B-plus Players Radio Network. Over there, lots of great shows over on the network. Happy to be a part of the guys at B-plus Players. So check us out over there. Lots of stuff to get into. Bunch of big matches in WWE Backlash, we got about nine matches. Who knows if anything will be added or between now and the start of the pay-per-view. Could not make heads or tails out of any of this without my tag team partner, Dave, who also has a major announcement tonight. And we're happy to be the platform that he can bring this announcement to the masses. So without further ado, my tag team partner, all the way from Connecticut, Dave, how you doing this evening? I'm doing good. I'm pretty excited to make this announcement, and I appreciate the opportunity to make this announcement here on the Ken Reedy Show. Um, for those of you that are loyal listeners, familiar with, with this show, know that I'm very passionate about wrestling and about the history of wrestling. I love to talk pro wrestling. I love doing these shows. I love the pay-per-view shows. I love the retro shows. And I've also become very enamored with um, – the Bruce Pritchard show, as well as the Tony Schiavone podcast that are hosted by Conrad Thompson, both of them. I actually just started listening to the newest podcast under Conrad's big umbrella with uh, Eric Bischoff, 83 weeks last week on the creation of the NWO. Uh, I, I suggest you guys go out and listen to that. Very insightful um, from Bischoff's perspective. But without you know rambling on too much, Bottom line is all of that, the inspiration of, of Conrad's podcast and doing this show has inspired me to step out and do something on my own. And before the year is over, before 2018 is over, I'm going to be doing my own podcast myself. It's going to be called Kicking Out at Two. And I'm going to have a rotating guest of, uh, you know, guest host, Ken. Rocky will, will, will be on as well. This is going to be the sister show to the Ken Reedy Show. So Ken Reedy Show covers a lot of the current stuff, and we try to mix in a little bit of the retro discussion. I'm going to lean more towards retro discussions, but I may talk some of the current product with the pay-per-views. If for one week we can't air our show on a Sunday, Kicking Out at 2 will be the official spot where you can listen to the pay-per-view pregame to preview we're going to cover that week um i'm taking a page out of conrad's book just a little bit and i'm going to do what what he does with tony shivani mainly i'm going to do watch along episodes where i'm going to pick, pick a particular event and or a particular match and i'm going to have someone from the local independent wrestling scene in the tri-state area in, in connecticut new york new jersey and they're going to sit down with me as fans, not as someone who's in the industry, but as fans, and they're going to break down their thoughts on and their memories of watching these particular events, talking about their inspirations growing up, who were their favorites, uh, what favorite matches, favorite moments. And I want to get their take as a fan because a lot of wrestling podcasts out there, fans claim to be the voices for each other, but really 
fans in most wrestling podcasts, they just bitch and they complain and they do the, well, if I was booking, and trust me, we here at the Ken Reedy Show have been guilty of that at times too, but I want to give a true fan's perspective. The, the, the real raw emotion that fans had at that time watching that particular moment or match, and I also want that from people within the industry and their memories growing up, because at the end of the day, they were marks before they ever decided to put on a pair of boots and get in the ring and, and go out there and entertain everyone. So I want this to be a real wrestling fans podcast and really delve into some of the great matches and moments in the history of what I love to talk about professional wrestling. And I'm really excited. I got some things lined up with equipment and logos and things like that. I'm setting some stuff up right now. So it's in the process, but before 2018 is over, kicking out at two is going to be on the air. I'll have social media accounts for Facebook, Instagram, and yes, I'm going to join the ranks like most people in this world, something that I was vehemently against, but I realized in order for me to succeed in the podcast world, I need to do it. I'm going to be on Twitter as well. So check it out in the coming weeks, months. You're going to slowly see some developments and slowly see kicking out it to join the ranks of everyone else in the wrestling podcast world. I'm no different than a lot of fans, but I want to give a true fans perspective and not the fans of today's current wrestling world that just bitch and complain a lot. So with that being said, I'm really pumped, I'm really excited, and I appreciate the opportunity, Ken, for you to allow me to make this announcement here on this show tonight. No, no problem. And I, I think it's awesome. Congratulations. I think it's going to be, I mean, I've always kind of seen you as, as just a, a tremendous wrestling historian. So I, I, I think this is going to be awesome for you. I, I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to uh, you know, being a part of it, but I'm really, I don't see it just as a fan. I'm looking forward to, to listening to it. I'm looking forward to, you know, just being a fan and listening to your, your podcast and popping on a, an old pay-per-view and kind of get that feel. So I, I think it's an awesome idea. I look forward to hearing it and congratulations, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you. And as we do on every uh, pay-per-view show, independent wrestling, Sensation. Rocky Santiago is in the house to help us break it down. Rocky, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, Ken, Dave. Always a pleasure to be here and uh, great to be a part to be a party to Dave's big announcement. I, I definitely look forward to uh, seeing what Kicking Out of Two can, cut, can uh, become. And I, I'm always uh, pumped to listen to uh, the retro view, and I do enjoy those retro shows, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and we have a we have a fairly uh, sizable pay per view in front of us, so uh, I think we should dive right in. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, this pay per view, and I'm curious what you guys think and, and your feelings towards it. This is another pay per view for me that I'm looking at on paper, and I think you got a few entertaining matches, a few matches that could be a lot of fun to to watch. And, and maybe it's just me. Maybe it's a WrestleMania hangover. Um, maybe it's, it's us like pissing and moaning last week about how they're booking Roman Reigns. I don't know, but I'm not into it. I, I'm just not into this pay-per-view. Maybe I will, will be once I start watching it, maybe I'll, I'll you know, get into the matches. Maybe we'll, we'll get a couple of real good matches out of this pay-per-view, but I don't know. And, and I, I'm curious, you guys, like, is it just me? Am I way off? Like, I, I just... And again, and I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the card right now, and I'm like, you know, there's there's some good matches on this card. I mean, it's not like I look at the card I'm like this is gonna blow. I, I'm just, I don't know why. I'm just, 
I'm, I'm kind of, I don't want to say bored, but I, this, this match for me, this match, this, this pay-per-view for me is, is not moving the needle. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just not doing much for me. And, and, I, and I'm curious, like, am I way off? Is, is this like, am I completely wrong here? Should I be more excited? And I'm just, I'm being a negative Nelly or are you guys kind of feeling like it similarly that this just, I don't know. I'm just not into it. Well, I think the operative uh, term that you used, uh, a WrestleMania hangover. Um, we, we, we were subjected to a very long WrestleMania with a lot going on. So I could see where possibly you, you, you're a little, for lack of a better term, wrestled out. But uh, actually, you know, looking at this pay-per-view on paper, I got to say, you got a couple of good matches here. Uh, on paper, to me, this looks like it could be a good pay-per-view. So, uh you know, I can see where you're coming from, Ken, but I'm going to disagree with you a little here. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of it. What about you, Dave? Your thoughts overall, like your overview of, of going into Backlash? Well, it's funny that you mentioned WrestleMania Hangover because that's the title of tonight's pay-per-view throwback where I'm going to discuss <laughs> a awesome. particular – where I'm going to discuss a particular backlash event, which in my mind didn't suffer from the WrestleMania hangover, because it seems that most of these post WrestleMania pay-per-views, you do kind of suffer from those mania blues. And you're just, you know, like you were so pumped and overhyped for WrestleMania. And it just kind of, you know, whether, whether WrestleMania was good or bad, it just kind of knocked the wind out of your sails. And then like four weeks later, you got to go to backlash. And it's like, damn, we just had the pomp and pageantry and the circumstances of, you know, of WrestleMania, and now we're just at backlash. Like, I mean, I can see definitely <laughs> where... I can, I can see where you're coming from and that, like, you're not enamored with it. Trust me, I was like that last year. I really was. I thought last year's payback sucked. I thought it was horrible. I didn't really care for it all. And I'm not one to say that most shows are horrible, but that show, excuse my language, F-bomb number one of the night, fucking sucked. Plain and simple. So, as far as tonight goes, first of all, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna get to 51 f bombs. I will say that, at least on my part. But the show has potential to be a sleeper show, in my opinion, a show that could really surprise you from a match quality and storytelling standpoint. With pretty much the majority of these matches on the card, that's my take on. I'm not super pumped, but I'm not going into it like a like a Debbie Downer and a negative Nancy, just like, oh, it's backlash. Like that. That's just me. You know, and honestly, that's kind of where I'm at, though, because like, I'm looking at the card, and I'm like, there's a lot of potentially very good matches on this card. I just, I, for myself, like, I just can't get myself up for this pay-per-view. And, and let's not forget, I mean, the, the pageantry of WrestleMania, but we also had the greatest rumble ever stuck in the middle there. So a lot of, you know, what, what was that? It was around five hours as well. So we've had a couple of events um, that were just way too long. And, and maybe that's part of it for me. I, I just, I don't know. The storytelling's not there for me. Um, but I think there's a lot of potential for, for some great matches. And let's get into some of these matches. Um, singles match, why don't we, we'll just get this out of the way. Bailey versus Ruby Riot. Um, yeah, I mean, when I think about not caring about this pay-per-view, I think about really that, that that's probably the match I care the least about. So that's uh, whatever. I'm just gonna pick Bailey. I'm not gonna overanalyze it. Well, uh, see, uh, and again, this is where I'm gonna clash with you a little bit, Ken, because I've actually noticed that they are on an upswing with Ruby Riot and uh, trying to build her character. If 
you know, if you recall, uh, I believe it was last Raw that she actually now has a win over Sasha Banks. And if I remember correctly, there were some shenanigans there with uh, Bailey. So I think they're going to use this match to possibly build that uh, that storyline further. So I think the match is more about the budding rivalry between Bailey and Sasha. So I'm actually going to call Ruby Riot as the winner due to something, and I think Sasha is somehow going to be involved. So that's my call. Dave? Rock, I'm right there with you, pal. I've been seeing this steady progression with Ruby Riot. I kind of saw it back, at least in my point of view, saw it back at, at Fastlane with her match with Charlotte, which I thought was a really underrated match and really showcased her talents very well. Because going into that match, most people really only cared about Charlotte going to Mania to potentially face Asuka, and that was before Asuka accepted the challenge. And Ruby Riot, you know, made her presence known in that match with her in-ring ability and really had a good showing against, you know, the female John Cena of WWE's women's division in Charlotte. And I think that since she has come over to Raw in the, the draft, that she's really made a presence, and, and her character's shown some kind of importance. I was never a big, you know, riot squad guy when they first started, but, you know, a change of scenery might have helped them and, and really elevated their status, especially working with people like Char- or, uh, Sasha and Bailey in this storyline. And I'm going to go right where, with you on the pick, too. I don't think a Bailey victory is, is needed for her with considering the, the issues that she's still currently having with Sasha, and that's the main driving force of the storyline. So I think Ruby's going to pick up the victory and really add some, uh, some more importance to her character. Well, there you have it. I'm out on a limb there. Why should I? I mean, I'm probably going to get it wrong. <laughs> I mean, did, I don't even, did we talk about on the show, like, how bad we did at WrestleMania? That, that, like, this past year's WrestleMania may have been single-handedly the worst pay-per-view I've, I've ever picked since we started doing picks on the show. Yeah, I don't remember any of my picks for WrestleMania. There was one that you picked, I, you I know, that was, like, out of the box. Dave probably remembers that. that I, I don't – Rocky, pick something where we are just, like – I think it was we both disagreed. It, it was a gender pick. That must have, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a Yeah, you smoked us on that. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you went, you went eight and six, Rock, and Ken and I went six and eight for WrestleMania. Um, yeah, I didn't even you, think I did that. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to remember while I'm sitting there. I'm like, wow, like I, I, I'm getting like them. You want all. current standings? I can give yeah, you guys current not? standings right now if you. Want. All right, currently. In third place is Ken with a record of 19 wins and 17 losses. Uh, Rocky is in second place with 21 wins and 15 losses. And I'm in first place with 23 wins and 13 losses. Rocky, you won the last two pay-per-views individually from a record standpoint, WrestleMania and Fastlane. And I won the two previous from that, Elimination Chamber and Royal Rumble. Uh, So right now, Ken, you have not individually won a pay-per-view yet. But you know what? (laughs) With that Debbie Downer negative Nancy kind of an attitude, I don't know if you can bounce back and get a pay-per-view victory for Backlash tonight. I, I must <laughs> That's a good point. Well, I need Bailey. Now, now I need Bailey to come through for me. Ugh. And the worst, I'm, we're going to see this match like, during the show, so I'll know when I'm 0-1 like, pretty early on. But let's get back into it. Um, let's get into the tag team match. Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think this could be an entertaining matchup. Um, I, I don't really I'm, – I'm kind of curious what exactly they're doing with Bobby Lashley since he came back. It was his triumphant return. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, this might be an entertaining match, but again, this might be like for me. I just it's not it's not a needle mover for me. It should be fun. I look forward to the antics of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I have no doubt it's going to be entertaining. Um, why don't we start with you, Rock? Like, what are your thoughts on this match? Who are you picking? Well, yeah, this definitely has potential to be an entertaining match. You have the two mountains in Strowman and Lashley against the, the, the smarmy heels of, of Owens and Zayn. Um, just for that fact, as far as the pick itself goes, I'm going to go uh, Owens Zayn by some shenanigans. Uh, because on its face, you look at it, and you look at Lashley, and you look at Broad, and it's just, how can you beat that combination? How in the world could you beat that combination from a physical standpoint? So that what, that's what makes me think what would make a significant victory would be uh, Owens and Zane smarming their way somehow into, you know, I don't know if it's ropes. I don't know if they club him over the head with, you know, with a fire extinguisher. I don't know how they get it done, but I, I, it's against the grain, but I'm going to call for uh, an Owen Zane victory on that match. Very interesting. Dave, your thoughts? I kind of go back and forth on this. Um, to, to answer your question at the top, uh, when you mentioned, you know, thoughts on Lashley's introduction, I think right now his character is just being reintroduced. He's in like a, a soft, you know, opening kind of a phase, if that's a term I could use. Uh, with the audience, you know, he was, he hadn't been seen on WWE and television in 10 years. So not everybody. And I, when I mean, everybody, I mean the majority of the, the, the core audience, which is children um, are too familiar with him. So um, I think this is a way of reintroducing him to the, 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 the product for the younger fans right now. So they're not really putting a ton of importance on his character, but they're putting just enough to get his face out there and to get people familiar with him. Um, and tagging with Braun, it's an interesting dynamic, but, um, you know, considering what they've done with Braun recently in the last few months, I'm kind of surprised they put him in a tag team spot uh, only because like, I feel like he just, he, he shines better on his own, but uh, needless to say, I'm back and forth on these picks. With this, on the pick for this match. On one hand, Braun just won the, the, the 50-man Royal Rumble, the greatest Royal Rumble in history. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And, uh, you know, he's teaming with Bobby Lashley, who's just been reintroduced onto television. So, you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn just came over from SmackDown to Raw. They lost at WrestleMania. You know, I feel like, I wouldn't say, like, a loss for any one of these guys' characters is really going to hurt, but at the same time, Owens and the, the one thing that I, I look at this whole situation with is that Owens and Zane are good bad guys. They are good heels, and I feel like they could bounce back from just about anything. I could see the scenario that you mentioned, Rock, that some sort of shenanigans takes place and Lashley and Braun miscommunication, whatever, and Owens and Zane win it. And you know what? You're probably going to get this right. But I'm going to go the opposite direction, and I'm going to say that Braun is riding that wave of momentum from winning this Rumble and just being as popular as he is. And Lashley needs a, a good, nice victory to, you know, really get, you know, the ball rolling for his character. So I'm going to go with Braun and Lashley. But I don't expect anything monumental taking place during this match. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I don't, you know... I think you bring up a good point with uh, Owens and Zane, and, and Owens and Zane can, um, you know, I mean, it's weird when you talk about these matches, and, and I don't think that the loss 
a loss destroys or buries anybody. Um, I think any one of these four guys can come back after uh, a loss here. But, um, yeah, to your point, Owens and Zane, they just – they're true heels. They're true heels. You know, they they go for the heat. They, um, they're not looking to necessarily be cool. They're obnoxious. Um, and, and they're the type of heels where you, where you kick it, you know, old school – um, where, you know, they can lose and nope, I didn't lose, you know, like, no, 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 I, well, we didn't really lose that or, or the sun was in my eyes. So it wasn't fair. Um, I, I think they're so good at, at that right now that they're really, which, which might wind up being a, a, a curse instead of a blessing, but I, I just think they can lose. They can keep losing and be entertaining and, um, it not really hurt them, at least in the short term. Uh, when I look at Lashley and, and Strowman, um, I, I just think, not that they, they need the victory, but I do think that uh, Lashley coming back and, and kind of being reintroduced, kind of like you said, Dave, and, uh, you know, Strowman coming off of the, the big Rumble victory, uh, I just think this is not the time for the two of them to get knocked off by two guys that are half their size. Um, I think this is going to be an impressive show of strength. I'm, I'm not looking for a lot out of this match as far as, um, you know, a, a bell-to-bell five-star kind of matchup, but I think that Zane and Owens will probably give us some really entertaining stuff. We'll probably get a few, like, entertaining flops and uh, – uh, the way that the two of them will sell. I, I'm looking forward to a lot of that, but I don't, I don't think the match in and of itself is going to be much of a needle mover. So I'm, I'm going with, uh, I'm going to agree with you, Dave. I'm going to go with Braun and Lashley. I, I just think it's, it, it's too soon. Um, you know, I, I think at some point, you know, you're going to see Braun versus Lashley and maybe there'll be dissension between the two of them. I don't think we're seeing that. We're going to see that just yet. So I'm going to go with, Lashley and Strowman with the victory. So there you go, Dave. Kiss of death. You're not getting this one right. <laughs> I hear you there. <laughs> and then all, you know, all the picks always make sense in my head. I mean, they do make sense. I do think them out. It's just they, don't, they just don't pan out once once the uh, the pay per views start. It's been a bad year. Me and John Cena. It's 2018. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a rebuilding year for, for us. Um, 347-838-9815. That is the number to call. We're talking backlash, given the most comprehensive pre-show in the world. Thank you all for tuning in, and, and we're going to take a short break here. On the other side of the break, I want to get into, I want to dissect Big cast, Daniel Bryan, who goes over there? Which character could use the victory more? I think this match has got a lot lot of levels we need to hit. But right now, it's time for Dave's pay-per-view throwback. Take it away, Dave. Thank you, class. And welcome back to another edition of the pay-per-view throwback historical retrospective. I'm your professional wrestling historian extraordinaire, Dave Rosenbluth, and I'm excited to bring forth more knowledge in the history of professional wrestling. Tonight's throwback, it was a tough one to prepare, as usually the first pay-per-view following WrestleMania suffered from the lack of buildup and hype that is nowhere near in comparison to what the previous month WrestleMania gets. 
So with that being said, I've decided to take you back in time to the very first Backlash pay-per-view in 1999. The first post-pay-per-view offering, the, excuse me, the first pay-per-view post offering from WrestleMania 15, where in my humble opinion, it was a show that didn't suffer from those mania blues. So without further ado, I present this throwback retrospective entitled WrestleMania Hangover. Beginning in the spring of 1995, WWE began a full pay-per-view schedule following WrestleMania that would complete their calendar year. That month, May of 1995, we were graced with In Your House. What was that exactly? Well, for starters, some random preteen and his parents managed to win a house in a contest concocted by WWE. Yep. You heard me right. WWE gave away a house somewhere in Central Florida because their stellar roster wasn't enough to put butts in the seats and eyeballs on the TV screen. Proof is in the pudding. It's just one month prior at WrestleMania 11, NFL Hall of Fame linebacker, New York Giant great Lawrence Taylor headlined the show of shows defeating Bam Bam Bigelow, a telltale sign of the state of the industry at that time. This first post-Mania pay-per-view show would be headlined with Sid Vicious, Psycho Sid challenging then World Wrestling Federation champion Diesel, resulting in a disqualification victory for Big Daddy Cool after Sid's million-dollar corporation stablemate Tatanka interfered. This, unfortunately, was what wrestling fans had to look forward to post-WrestleMania. Whether it was In Your House, Backlash, Payback, or even Extreme Rules, these shows over the years certainly suffered from that dreaded mania hangover that everyone talks about. Let's fast forward some four years later, because the cards for the previous three post-Mania pay-per-view offerings were nothing to sink your teeth into, if you ask me. Which brings us to Backlash 1999, one of the very few pay-per-views that suffered from that Mania hangover. The very first installment of the Backlash series that had the top stars from the Attitude Era all under one roof. The evening kicked off with The Brood, consisting of Edge, Christian, and Gangrel, facing their former Ministry of Darkness members, Bradshaw, Farouk, and Midian. In the weeks prior, the Brood was beginning to stand out on their own, away from the Ministry of Darkness, and their disapproval of The Undertaker's treatment of Stephanie McMahon was the catalyst for a split between both sides. This match showed the early flashes of tag team greatness that Edge and Christian would embark on later in their careers. But in the end, the Ministry of Darkness would manage to pick up the victory. The always fun hardcore title was up for grabs as Al Snow was looking to exact a measure of revenge by dethroning the champion, Hardcore Holly. As the case with most of these matches, the plunder was everywhere, baby. And the action made its way all over the Providence Civic Center. Even some poor soul's rental car managed to do the job thanks to the daredevil feat of Al Snow launching himself onto Hardcore Holly and landing on the roof of the vehicle. The end of this crazy encounter would see Al Snow superplex Hardcore Holly through a table and with an assist from Head, making the cover for the 1-2-3 to become the WWF Hardcore Champion. The Godfather was up next with all of Providence's finest hoes accompanying him to ringside to defend his newly won Intercontinental Championship against the bizarre Goldust, who was escorted to the ring by the even weirder Blue Meanie. Not much to say about this match other than the fact that the sold-out crowd cared more about the hose than they did the match. Not something that surprises me, as this was the norm for most Godfather matches in those days. In the end, the miscommunication between Meany and Goldust led to Godfather delivering his infamous pimp drop to the Golden One for the victory. 
not what many would consider a catch-as-catch-can classic, but something different to break things up on this card. Number one contenders for the WWF Tag Team Championship was at stake as former champions the New Age Outlaws would face the team of newly appointed WWE Hall of Famer Jeff Jarrett and the late great Owen Hart. Like the previous match, the crowd has become enamored with the sight of potentially seeing Deborah's puppies thanks to some prodding from the road dog Jesse James. A textbook tag team affair with Jarrett and Owen controlling the majority of the bout. In the closing moments, though, Owen Hart had the road dog locked into the sharpshooter, and chaos inside the ring had the referee distracted briefly, only for Billy Gunn to deliver a famouser to Owen Hart, freeing up road dog to crawl over for the cover and the win. This next match was an interesting contrast of styles as Undertaker showed early signs of what we've seen in recent years with his brand of mixed martial arts into his repertoire when he defeated former UFC champion, the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock, in what I would like to consider a surprisingly good bout. The Big Show and Mankind destroyed each other inside the Boiler Room in the second ever Boiler Room Brawl. McFoley's brand of justice sent a strong message to the WWE rookie Big Show of what he had to look forward to in his WWE tenure for years to come. Mankind, he made that out alive, and the victor, bloody handprints and all, courtesy of a Big Show choke slam through several plate glass windows stacked on top of a table. A table inside of a boiler room, you ask? How the hell did that get there? Triple H, fresh off of dumping his DX buddies the month prior at WrestleMania 15 for greener pastures in the McMahon-led corporation, set his sights on his former best friend, X-Pac. Personal rivalry saw a much sinister and darker side to Triple H as he used his wits and aggressive nature to damage X-Pac, working on his already injured neck to gain the upper hand and route to a victory. The main event, however, saw a WrestleMania rematch worthy of headlining two more manias, which as a matter of fact, they did. But before that happened, we saw Stone Cold Steve Austin looking to retain his WWF title against The Rock. And he was also looking to regain his prized personalized Smoking Skull title belt that McMahon and his corporation held hostage. Just like the previous month, Austin and The Rock left it all in the ring. They also left it all on the outside arena floor, the stands, and even managed to destroy the entrance set amidst the chaos. As good as their first Mania match, maybe even better, Rock and Austin tore down the house, leaving fans wanting more. The one intangible that I forgot to mention was Shane McMahon. He donned the referee stripes, the special guest referee, and he was looking to make a statement after his recent power grab from Father Vince McMahon in hopes of controlling the WWF and the corporation. Vince, who was preoccupied with his daughter Stephanie's well-being after months of stalking from The Undertaker and his Ministry of Darkness, made his presence felt with Austin's smoking skull belt in hand, decking son Shane McMahon with the title, allowing Austin to gain the victory and his personal championship belt. While Austin began to celebrate his victory with Vince watching on, the young, innocent Stephanie McMahon was left all alone in father's limousine in the parking lot for the Ministry of Darkness to wreak even more havoc. As Stephanie yelled for help, the limousine driver's window rolled down to reveal the undertaker behind the wheel with his famous last words, Where to, Stephanie? (laughs) And a blood-curdling scream was the sound as the pay-per-view came to a close. Talk about a cliffhanger. You don't see that kind kind of ending in WWE these days, that's for sure. Overall, a fun, sensible, exciting night of action, drama, and intriguing storytelling from the WWE at a time when the company was on fire and things were looking up for them in the Monday Night War. 
This pay-per-view set the tone for exciting storylines for months to come, helping reassure fans that this time around, there indeed was not a WrestleMania hangover when Backlash 1999 was all said and done. In closing, tonight's Backlash on paper has potential to be a surprisingly good show. AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns, The Miz and Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan and Big Cass, Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton, Carmella and Charlotte, Nia and Alexa. All of these matches have been very well built in the weeks following Mania and collectively could be a sleeper pay-per-view in WWE this year. With the recent draft taking place and some of the roster moves that have been made, creative possibilities moving forward for just about all of the matches is promising to say the least. Class, thank you for taking time and joining me this month. Enjoy WWE Backlash. Class dismissed. Great stuff, as always. You know, it's funny. Whenever you do these throwbacks, it's like there's part of me that really enjoys it and the part of me that, like, just gets sad because you hear about, like, these great storytelling and, like, the cliffhanger. It's like, yeah, we, we really don't see that as much as we – I miss the storytelling. I miss the good <laughs> storytelling. But anyway, um, before we get into the pick for this match, and I teased it before – the throwback. Um, Daniel Bryan, big cast. Um, yeah, interesting um, combo there. Interesting, uh, you know, put these guys together. Um, you know, for me and my money, and I know, you know, we're getting a little fantasy booking, I guess, but, you know, Daniel Bryan's a guy um, to really use to help validate and, and, put other guys over, um, you know, here's a guy that, that is just, you know, as, as popular as all get out and will always be, I, I don't see him losing that popularity anytime soon. Uh, as I've said many a times on this show that, you know, I would keep Daniel Bryan as far away from a title as I possibly could for a while, just at least to make sure that, all right, you know, he can handle the, the, the rigors of being a WWE wrestler, that he can uh, do the travel and, and, and not break down and, and make sure he can stay healthy. Um, so when I look at him, I don't look at him as a guy that necessarily needs, needs a title, needs a belt, or even needs victories. Um, when I look at a guy like Big Cass, as much as when you look at them physically, you look at the two of them and you think David and Goliath and, Daniel Bryan's the underdog and Big Cass is the favorite. But, you know, as far as the world of pro wrestling and who's a bigger star and who's, you know, you'll look at Daniel Bryan as the favorite in this match. I'm curious with the both of you guys, again, before we get into picks, like your thoughts on like the two characters, how do you think they should or shouldn't use Daniel Bryan? Does Big Cass, I mean, does it even matter? Does Big Cass have that star potential? Is he someone that the WWE should be looking to build? Because, like, we, talk, we talked at length last week about Roman Reigns and how the booking has done a, hasn't done him any favors. When I look at Big Cass, if you want to bring him along, well, you're going to have to give him a couple of substantial victories. He's got to look strong if you're going to bring him along as a, a bona fide big man that you need to take seriously. So, um. I'm not giving my pick yet. I just think it's an interesting debate. Uh, to me, like when I look at these two getting in the ring tonight, that, that there's a lot more, there's a lot of levels that you can look at this, this match as. And um, one, like the biggest thing is does big cast have, have star potential? Is he someone that if not a main eventer, could he be close to a main eventer? And if 
booking and creative and everyone else is looking to build Big Cass into that pseudo-main eventer, then what's the direction they go in? Because they've done Reigns, no favors. Where should they go? So I've thrown a lot about that. I think this is a lot of food for thought. Your thoughts, Rocky, on where exactly you think they should go with Big Cass. It, does he have that star potential and every other thing I threw out there? Well, yeah, you, you threw out a, a couple of interesting points and some things to think about. Uh, as far as Big Cass is concerned, uh, does Big Cass have main event potential or, or at least upper middle of the card potential written on him? Well, that it's hard, it's hard to quantify those those values, but let's let's look at it uh, uh, step by step. Uh, you have the physical. Look at Big Cass. Does he look like someone who's going to draw a lot of attention? Hell yeah, he does. The dude's a giant. The dude is physically gifted. The dude's an athlete. Uh, Personality-wise, now, does he have that charisma? You can argue that, you know, paired with uh, Enzo for all that time, he was kind of the backseat player to that. But, you know, uh, one thing you learn, uh, you can try to garner from other, from within yourself, is learning from people who have better qualities than you do. And obviously Enzo had the charisma. He had that it factor. He had the, the, the you know, the je ne sais quoi, if you want to get fancy about it. Uh, maybe, you know, we don't really know because I don't think he's really been given the chance to show it yet. If uh, Cass has picked up any of that from Enzo or from any of the other, you know, uh, personalities within the WWE that I'm sure are, are, are mentoring this young man. Uh, and lastly, the mic skills. And again, before his injury, I think we can we are all in agreement that if someone was handing Big Cass a mic, someone else was rushing towards him saying no. Uh, he just he didn't he was not good on the mic before he left. Now I haven't really listened to him cut a good promo since he, he's gotten back. Uh, more to the fact that I haven't listened to him promo. Uh, I did hear through the grapevine that he has he has improved, which is a good thing. Uh, so to to roll all that up into a nice little package, do I think Cass has what it takes to make it in the W in the WWE as a superstar? I think he does. He has the tools. Um, he he needs to be instructed on how to use those tools. And then as far as Daniel Bryan is concerned, obviously Daniel Bryan, like you said, Ken he. Popularity is off the charts. I don't think you can make a, a superstar more popular. Uh, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give my pick yet, but I think it's definitely an interesting situation that the WWE puts us in when they make a match like this because you can really make an argument for that pendulum swing either way. Let me ask something before before I, I let you go. I'm not giving a pick, but if you were if you were going to book this match. Screw it. We're going to get into fantasy booking. <laughs> but if you, if you were in charge and you were going to book this match, how you think the story could or should be told, how would you book it? What's the finish? And, and this is this is a little rough because, you know, again, we're not 100% in the know as far as what exactly is Daniel Bryan's health outlook. Um, it, yes, he's a part of these still fairly part-time so far. Is that going to improve? Is that going to change? Are they going to give him a full-time schedule? Can he handle it? Those are some big question marks. On the other side, you have Cass, who's, you know, can run in all cylinders. 
Um, so as far as how would I book this, knowing that up to now, Cass has really gotten the better of Brian in, in a number of situations, if we want to keep this interesting, um, but we don't want to besmirch uh, either one of them, I would say, and he's always so good in playing this role, Daniel Bryan playing the underdog somehow ekes out a win, but then you have to have Cash just absolutely destroy him. You have to have, lay him out in the ring, attack his head, uh, just make the most heinous attack, and then you keep that momentum going because that obviously it's not over after that. Okay, so if you're Vincent Ken- Kennedy McMahon, that's how you, that's how you book that's, it. That's how I book it. Dave, your thoughts on big cast, star potential, and what the hell, let's get your fantasy booking as well. Uh, definitely star potential. Uh, Mike work hundred times better than he was before. He sounded like a robot with a New York accent before his injury. And now he's just like night and day when he got on that microphone, when he first came back, I was like, Oh Jesus. Like I was just like cringing. And then he spoke and my wife, she was like, Oh my God, he sounds a lot better. And like I said, my wife doesn't watch much, but when she does, uh, you know, she, she she notices certain things, and that was one thing she noticed that like how much he's improved. For a guy his size, he moves around very well. Um, his his verbal skills have definitely improved. I think that's gonna you know continue to improve over time. And he's young. He's definitely got an upside to him. His size helps, uh, which is a big factor in this storyline and in my portion of the fantasy booking if I were Vince McMahon regarding this match. Daniel Bryan, like Rocky said, plays a great underdog. And, you know, you could go two different routes. One route you could go is you can have Cass beat him and kind of do a Seamus 18 seconds from WrestleMania in Miami a few years ago and the people rally behind Bryan to, for, for Bryan to get his win back, uh, you know, Cass. Or you kind of go with the route Rocky just mentioned. Brian ekes out a victory, but Cass destroys him. However, like I said, part of this storyline and Cass's point of view towards Daniel Bryan, it's all about size. And sometimes in, in professional wrestling, when you've had guys that have, are mismatched in size, they've always told that size story. Well, size is bigger, you know, size is better. But sometimes outsmarting a guy is always, always, has always seemed to have been uh, – a particular uh, storyline move that, is, that, that seems to work. And if Daniel Bryan were to outsmart Cass in a matter of, let's say they do the reverse role, but this time Bryan ekes out the victory in like under a minute and kind of does like a surprise, you know, quick victory and outsmarting Cass. And it's not about the size. It's about your wits and your brain. And then Cass destroys him after the fact. I think that's something I can get behind. Regardless of the, the, the outcome of tonight's match, I've been digging this storyline, and I thought it's been a great way to introduce Cass and a great way to build on Daniel Bryan's return because, like Rock said, he plays a great underdog. And working up against a big guy like Cass, I think has been helpful for Daniel Bryan as well and his underdog persona. Regardless of the finish, both guys, I think, tonight, without giving you a pick, both guys, I think, tonight are going to come out of this looking good, and I think it's going to, you're going to see more from the two of them down the line. It's not, this isn't over yet tonight. Fantasy booking-wise, I, I would book Cass to go over tonight. I would, I, I would try and tell that story. Um, uh, and I think it, it's something that which we don't have um, a lot of in, in pro wrestling. And, again, it's weird with the, the size differential. 
but I think this is a match where just just about everybody and their mother is like Daniel Bryan's going to win. I mean, it's big cast. Who the hell cares? It's a big dummy who is with the small dummy for forever, and now he's back. Who cares? I mean, I, you know, I think it's easy to just say yeah, Daniel Bryan's going to win this match. Um, if I was booking, big cast would go over. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have. I'd have a decent match. Uh, wouldn't be incredibly long because I agree with you Dave I think this this has legs so you can move forward but I give I give Tass a, a kind of a a fairly definitive victory um just to kind of put him over that the big cast matters now um really solidified Daniel Bryan back in that kind of underdog role um you could do something even where you tell the story with the, the commentators you know uh, is, is this too much for Daniel Bryan? Um, I think there's a lot of direction you can go in. And because Daniel Bryan is so popular and will lose absolutely nothing, uh, to me, a victory for Big Cass would immediately catapult him, if not into the main event stratosphere, but into that stratosphere of he matters now. Um, that being said, I don't think that's going to happen. I think everyone and their mother is right. And Daniel Bryan is going to win tonight. That's my official pick. I, I kind of wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if, Rocky, your fantasy booking scenario is what they go with tonight. That somehow Daniel Bryan is able to get a victory um, as the crowd is chanting, yes, yes, yes. And he's celebrating Big Cass, uh, blindsides him, and, and beats the holy hell out of him. That's, uh, you know, I could see that happening. Either way, I, I mean, I. I think this rivalry has legs. Uh, there's more to come from these two. So I, I, that wouldn't shock me at all if we see something like that, a Pearl Harbor job after the three count. Um, so my official pick is Daniel Bryan with the victory over with the pass. Well, yeah, like I said, the, the good thing about this match is you can really have an argument for either side of the pendulum to swing. And I think we all in agreement that both of these superstars are, are you know, you have one established superstar, and you have one with superstar written all over on it. it just, it's going to take time and effort on his part to mold into that. And that being said, listening to everyone's input, I'm actually going to go with your scenario, Ken. I'm going to go with the cast goes over. Wow. I'm going to go with... Can I, can I say how pissed I'm going to be if, like, <laughs> if I get this pick wrong because my, my fantasy book was the way to go? You know, I, I'm not saying I don't like my fantasy book scenario chances. I do, but, I, you know, after listening to everything, I, I have it in my head. You know what? I can see Big Cass going over and Brian still wanting to go after him. Uh, I, can, I can see it. I, I start to see that now. That's my pick. That would be too funny. We like it. Just don't, any of your don't thoughts. Punch me <laughs> don't punch me if it's not true. I mean, I'm not going to go too in-depth. I'm not, I'm not going to go too in-depth only because uh, – I mean, we've we've kind of mapped out like how we think the match is going to go based on our fantasy booking, uh, and I mean that's you know Rock, honestly like you're you have a tendency when it comes to these pay per view shows to to uh, you know pull it out with the sleeper picks or be the be the odd man out and end up being right on some of these picks, and uh, let's have that trend continue because I'm going to agree with Ken. I think that you know I, I think right now. In order to build Cass as a bigger star, I think you need to build some more heat on him. So having him lose and then 
lay out Daniel Bryan post-match, I think is going to be more helpful for him than him eventually getting a victory in the first meeting. But that could, you know, if it goes the other way, I wouldn't be against it either. But my official pick is Daniel Bryan with the victory. Danny Rocky. <laughs> I'm, I'm the flying the ointment. <laughs> you really are, man. Give the wrench. Go, go. Why don't we, why don't we um, go to one of the ladies' matches? How about um, Carmella versus Charlotte? Um, I don't know. This is like a weird match. I mean, like to me, I look at these two like ability-wise. I'm like, wow, like this is just night and day. I, 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 I am unimpressed with Carmella and Charlotte's just amazing. Um, Dave, why don't we let you kick off this matchup? What are your thoughts on the... WWE SmackDown Women's Championship match. Well, I mean, going back to our picks for WrestleMania, we all, you know, were in agreement that we were going to see Carmella at least make an attempt to cash in and lose. And, you know, two nights later, we had the tables reversed on us, and she cashed in and won the championship on Charlotte, which I was kind of surprised based off of the fact that Charlotte had ended that streak of Asuka at WrestleMania, and I thought they were going to build off of that because of the rumors of them building towards a Charlotte-Ronda Rousey match at next year's WrestleMania. So I was I was kind of surprised that they went that route with Carmella. And, I mean, she's another one that's definitely improved on the mic. I can't say she's improved a ton in, in terms of uh, her in-ring ability, but she's not bad. She plays a good, like, chicken shit female heel. And... Um, I mean, I was kind of digging the pairing with um, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, the Iconics, and having them be like her little sidekicks. And maybe we'll see them as a as a as a trio moving forward on SmackDown. But uh, I've been, I'm not like totally enamored by this. But at the same time, like this also has potential to be a really good match with Charlotte being in there and Carmella and her improvement. So um, my official pick, because Carmella won. I think it would have been point, you know, won the won the title by cashing in her money in the bank. I think it would be pointless for her to lose right now, considering the way she won the title, and it does it would do nothing for her. It would make her her victory meaningless. So, I'm gonna pick Carmella with the victory with a little bit of help from uh, the Iconics, Billy Pay, uh, Billy Kay, and Peyton Royce. It's gonna be a sleeper female match of the night, I will say. What do you think, Ross? What do you think, Ross? Um. I'm liking where where this little rivalry is going because, uh, as you said, Ken, when when you look at the differences between Charlotte and Carmella, um, I think they are you know two very opposite sides of the coin. Uh, with you know not taking anything away from Charlotte, you know obviously she is she is her freaking the female version of her father. She can pretty much do no wrong in that ring. And on the other side of the coin, you have Carmella, who in my opinion, has the personality, has that it can get that heat, and obviously she needs a lot of uh, a lot of polishing up in the ring, which I think will come with time. But I, I see the potential there. She's definitely an athlete, and I like where this little stable with the iconics is going. I think it's going well. I, I do think that WWE is a little hot uh, on the iconics because if you look recently on SmackDown, they picked up a victory versus Oscar and Becky Lynch. You know that's no small feat. So uh, I'm I'm in the camp with Dave here. I think you're going to see uh, I think you're going to see 
Carmella pull out the victory with some shenanigans from the Iconics and uh, keep her uh, keep the belt on her a little bit longer. Would I be totally shocked if Charlotte has another you know women's championship uh, win under her belt? Uh, you know this soon, I wouldn't be shocked, but I just don't think it's going to come right now. Yeah, I kind of I feel the same way on that. Like if, if Charlotte wins, I'm, I'm I wouldn't shock me. Um, but I. You know, kind of to your point, Dave, um, you know, you need, I mean, you're building stars. Uh, I think this is a time for Carmella to hold on to that belt, uh, you know, continue to make her matter. And she is, you know, she's another one that she plays that like true heel role and she plays it well. Um, you know, I'm fairly unimpressed with a lot of stuff she does, but uh, the, the storytelling has been there. And I, I think there's stuff you can do with her as far as being a real, uh, chicken shit kind of heel. So in this matchup, Carmella retains the WWE Women's uh, Championship. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. So much more to get into. Is Seth Rollins at this point an all-time great? We're gonna hit on that. But right now, it is time for the day five fifty fifty news report. Good evening. And welcome to another edition of the Day 5 50-50 News Report. Only heard top of the hour each and every week right here at the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. Head on over to B-Plus Players Radio right now to find out what kind of lineup we have in the pro wrestling podcast world. Search, like, and or follow us on both Facebook and Twitter to see exactly what I'm talking about. The man responsible for assembling this roster of talented podcasts is one Mark Adam Haggerty, spreading his love of pro wrestling to any and all that will listen, and I truly mean that. Whether it's at local nights at Columbus venues or the driver's seat of his car and social media, he's got plenty to discuss with all of you that are part of the B-plus family. He hosts a show of his own. It's called The Outsider's Edge, and quite possibly, he appears on most of the other shows here at B-plus to lend a hand in all things pro wrestling banter. Why? Because he can. Wondering when you can find us, our show, The Ken Reedy Show? Well, usually our download drops late Sunday evenings. So whenever the hell Mark feels like dropping our show. When that does happen, head on over to either of B Plus's social media accounts I mentioned previously to catch the replay of the best in pro wrestling talk. And if you can't wait any longer and you happen to miss the live airing of this show this evening, then head on over to iTunes exactly one hour following our broadcast, and you can find out which one of us made an ass out of ourselves with our pay-per-view predictions for tonight's event. Now, now that we've gotten all of the shameless plugging out of the way, here's this week's top stories. At the top of the lineup this week, he hails from parts unknown, weighing in at a solid 350 pounds. He's a former WWE champion, former World Heavyweight champion, former Intercontinental champion, former Hardcore champion, former ECW champion, former WWE Tag Team champion on multiple occasions with too many partners to remember, former WCW Tag Team champion, 2010 Money in the Bank contract winner, and now he holds the dubious distinction as your Republican primary nominee for mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. Through hellfire and brimstone, it's Kane. That's right, folks. Glenn Jacobs, formerly known as Kane, won the primary for the Republican Party this week by only 17 votes unofficially this past Tuesday. Jacobs needed to wait until provisional votes were counted to make it official. On behalf of all of us here at the Ken Reedy Show, congratulations to the big red... Excuse me, Mr. Glenn Jacobs. Second story this week. Despite what those conspiracy theorists out there think, 
Titus O'Neil did not plan his memorable slide into the greatest Royal Rumble match in Saudi Arabia last week. Some have challenged this theory recently when it was revealed that Titus was only able to slide under the ring because the LED board was not normally placed in front of the ring apron. Otherwise, that big son of a bitch would have killed himself. Another reason these so-called conspiracy theorists believe this spot was planned was because after Titus's Shockmaster-esque tumble became the most popular gif on the internet, WWE released a t-shirt in honor of his fall three days following the event. Here's a little news flash for all those naysayers over in the IWC. There's this thing called being an adult, something that might be foreign to you, and, and part of that responsibility is having a job. doesn't matter what type of job, but as long as it's paying the bills, it's a job. Nonetheless, WWE is a Fortune 500 billion dollar enterprise, an enterprise that employs many hardworking professionals, hence the term job or maybe career for some of you more higher functioning folk in the IWC. There's these group of people of that enterprise that work there. In this little department, it's called merchandise. And these people are paid as functional adults to come up with merchandise ideas for talents in WWE. Some possibly smarter than others, like in any work field, came up with this great idea for a shirt in three days. Can you believe it? Probably the same amount of time it takes you to leave your parents' basement, despite finding out that your dinosaur chicken nuggets and Flintstones macaroni and cheese is ready, because you're still binge-watching Kenny Omega matches till you suffer from carpal tunnel syndrome. Moving on. My third story this week. WWE officials have reached out to the city of Orlando in hopes of securing a team for Vince McMahon's relaunch of the XFL in 2020. According to the Orlando Sentinel this week, WWE's Vice President of Special Events, John Sabor, reached out to Orlando's Executive Director of Venues about possibly bringing a team to Camping World Stadium, otherwise known as the Citrus Bowl, where last year's WrestleMania 33 was held. Ironically enough, the article mentions that this may be a tall task for the XFL to pull off because... Charlie Ebersol of the Alliance of American Football League has already struck a deal with the city for a team to represent Orlando. McMahon is confident that the city will be able to accommodate both teams. The name Ebersol might be familiar with you. as Charlie's father, Dick Ebersol, is close friends with Vince McMahon and also helped produce and run the original XFL. Dick is also very influential in WWE's expansion in the early 80s with Saturday Night's main event airing on NBC when he was the head of their television network. The Alliance of American Football League is set to launch next year in 2019, and McMahon and the XFL hope to launch the following year in 2020. Independent wrestling standout Limitless Keith Lee is headed to WWE, according to PW Insider. Lee worked a match at this year's WWE Fan Access in New Orleans, defending his WWN Heavyweight Championship against NXT star Cassius Ono, leading to speculation that he was within WWE's radar. He recently lost his Pro Wrestling Guerrilla Heavyweight Championship to Chuck Taylor, resulting in further speculation on his future. Following that, independent promoters were notified that Lee was finishing out his dates in May and possibly some dates in June. Lee is scheduled to make one final appearance at a farewell show for PWG in Reseda, California on May 25th. Normally when PWG throws a talent a farewell show, that means he's expected to have signed with WWE, just like in the case of Ricochet. The Limitless One has also frequented promotions such as Northeast Wrestling, Ring of Honor, and Evolve. At this time, there is no timetable on when he is expected to report to the WWE Performance Center and NXT. And rounding out the news this week, the hardest worker in the room, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, announced his first motion picture collaboration with his WrestleMania rival, John Cena, 
for a film titled The Jansen Directive. Cena will star in the lead role with The Rock as the executive producer. This collaboration is in conjunction with Universal Studios and The Rock's Seven Bucks production. A date hasn't been set for filming at this time, but one date I should mention is May 2nd. That was this past Wednesday, as it was The Rock's birthday. The Brahma Bull turned 46 years old. On a side note, as far as John Cena goes, PW Insider is speculating that the split between himself and Nikki Bella could be a work to gain mainstream media attention for the premiere of Total Bellas in just a few weeks. Gee, you don't say. Who didn't see that one coming? (laughs) Allegedly, this work could result in potentially culminating with their wedding at WrestleMania 35 next year. I can hear the IWC now. Just remember, two weeks ago, when I told you how much I cared about this breakup, yeah, I still don't give a shit. And there you have it, folks. Thanks for tuning in to another riveting edition of the Day 550-50 News Report. Only heard right here each and every week at the Kennedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. Tune in in two weeks for more insightful and informative news as only the Day 5 can deliver. We've got more backlash coverage. It's on the way. Further ado, let's send it back to the boys. Rocky and Ken, take it away. Great stuff, as always. I teased before the break, and I kind of want to get your thoughts, because one thing struck me this week listening to Busted Open, and Mark Henry was was stating that that Seth Rollins has become an all-time great. And I was kind of surprised at that, because when I think, you know, could he be an all-time great? Absolutely. When I think of all-time greats, I think of if the guy walked away right now, is he on that level? And right now where Seth Rollins is, I think he's got a lot more that he needs to accomplish to be put in it. And when I'm thinking, like, you say all-time great. To me, it's like top 10, top 20 of all time. He's not there yet. I don't think he's close. Could he get there? Absolutely. I'm curious. Like, am I being overly critical because I, I you know – there's certain like a John Cena right now, he turns right around, away and retires tomorrow, today, five minutes from now, he's an all-time great. Uh, Kane, Jericho, Undertaker, um, guys that have accomplished so much that they all they need to do is walk away now, and they're an all-time great. Uh, for me, it's almost like when you look back on, on Bo Jackson in football and baseball, guy was insanely talented. Injuries cut his career short. He's not an all-time great. He's, he's a, a freak when you look back on some of the things and you, you think of, wow, he, how great could he have been? But he's not an all-time great football player. He's not an all-time great baseball player. He's, he's a cool story. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like, what you guys think. Am, am I just being overly critical? I mean, is Seth Rollins, has he made it to that stratosphere yet? Because I say no. I even look at guys like I think, the you know, again, complete like 180 shift on this show. I would look at a guy like the Miz as more of a guy that's moved himself into that conversation of being mentioned in the all timers than Seth Rollins. I think Seth Rollins has a lot more to accomplish before I put him in that stratosphere. I'm I'm curious what you guys think. Well, yeah, that's a tough call to make because when you think of all time, great, uh, I think the, the one thing you need, you'd need in order to be in that conversation is time. Uh, you, you, need to, you need those years under your belt uh, doing, you know, year in, year out. And nothing, taking nothing away from Seth Rollins, because Seth Rollins, you know, 
I, I can say that I've never been a big fan of his face runs, uh, including this current one. But when he played the chicken shit heel, when he, you know, cashed in that money in the bank and that whole, you know, that whole authority storyline, he was extremely entertaining. He, he improved by leaps and bounds. Definitely, uh, definitely started to be uh, considerable for uh a great uh, uh, conversation, but as far as an all-time great, I don't know if you can say he has the time in yet, and uh, I, I think he definitely has the potential. He, again, he has all the tools, but uh, I still think he has some time. Like you said, Ken, there, there's there's a lot more for him to do uh, to be in that conversation, at least in my opinion. And, and that's just it. Like To me, when I look at Seth Rollins, he had like one great run. And again, great in the ring. He's, he's, you know, immeasurable. I mean, his skills are phenomenal. Um, but that 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 was like it. That was the run. That that you know, when he was with the Authority and he cashed in the Money in the Bank and, and all like that was a, a great run for him. I, I don't feel like we've seen even really a second great run, like great run at, out of Seth Rollins. Does he give us something with the IC title and give us a great run with this this belt? Maybe we get that out of them. But when, when I start to think of guys who are going to be put in that conversation of all-time great, I just can't put him there yet. He hasn't had enough. So, I, like, I listen to Mad Dog Radio a lot. And Mad Dog, when he's evaluating guys, he looks at, like, Hall of Fame seasons. Like, he'll look at, like, stats. Like, he'll look at baseball players. He'll look at batting average, home runs, RBIs per season. And does that rank as a Hall of Fame season? And then that's how he'll evaluate if someone's a Hall of Famer. Like, oh, this person had 10 Hall of Fame-type seasons. That guy's a Hall of Famer. Like, I, I, I kind of look at it like that. Like, you need to give me a couple of more runs of, of like, stuff that, I, that are really juicy and sinking my teeth into before I'm putting you in that stratosphere of all-time great. Dave, your thoughts on Rollins? Uh, talented performer. Definitely not an all-time great right now, but I think he's got the potential, like Rocky said, to get there um, based on his in-ring work. I look at Seth Rollins right now within the last couple of years. Uh, I've not been a big – I've not been enamored by his babyface run. However, um, you know, you guys mentioned that one great run he had when he won the money in the bank and he was the, the, the figurehead for the authority and he had the title. And that was a, that was a good run. He did some really good stuff with, it, with that. Um, I think we're in the early stages of a good second run based off. And I think that started uh, when he went the went wire to wire almost in that two hour gauntlet match. And he at least wrestled over an hour on raw back in February when they were building up to the chamber and then the chamber match, he had a great performance in, and then his match at WrestleMania and the triple threat and the, the, the match he had with Balor the other night on raw. I think we're in the middle of a great run with him, which is, warming me up to him as a baby face right now because he's doing so well with the intercontinental championship, which is something I said on our WrestleMania kickoff show uh, last year, or not last year, last month where we, where I talked about, you know, I think Rollins in-ring ability can carry over that prestige of great intercontinental championship matches. He's one of those guys that can do that. And I think he's going to continue doing that. And I think we're in we're in the early stages of a second great run with him as the Intercontinental Champion. Will he get will Will he get to be all time great? I'm sure he will, based on his in ring ability alone. 
I may be going out on the limb here, but I look at him and I look at AJ Styles as they are two guys that remind me they are this era's version of Shawn Michaels, where Shawn Michaels could have a match with anybody and it'd be it'd be awesome. Those two guys can do that. And Rollins, I think, is starting to edge closer and closer to AJ as being single-handedly the best in-ring performer currently within WWE today. And it's funny, and I agree with all that. I just think it, it's, you know, it, if I'm going to rank you as an all-time great, that means you can hang it up tonight and you're, you're ranked there. Like that, you know, uh, you know to me, if, if Seth Rollins, God forbid, you know, but blows out his knee tonight and has to retire, I, I don't think he's an all-time great. I, you know, I think he's a guy that had some really great matches, uh, a guy that years from now we would look back and say, wow, what, what could he have done? Um, but I don't think he's there yet. I agree with both of you. I think he can get there. Um, and I think he's the guy that, you know, almost in a, in a weird way, looking old school, that he's the guy to make the IC title like the workman's title. Like, And I agree with you. I think you brought up an excellent point with the gauntlet match because you look back on that match and it was awesome. And it was a great performance from Seth Rollins, but it was kind of inconsequential. It's like, why, why are we, why, like, why, why is it, where's the storytelling? Why are we having this gauntlet match? What's the point? Great match, but it was kind of a weird storytelling kind of thing. And, and when you look at everything, like, is that part of it? Is that as, as Seth Rollins evolves into the, the workman title holder, was that the beginning stages was that like the storytelling in there wasn't in and of the match itself but was it laying the groundwork to kind of put Seth Rollins in this stratosphere of, of starting to have like classic bouts and giving us a real solid run with this IC title. And to that end, I, I think when you look at the two guys in this match t- tonight, I think the Miz is the perfect guy to put in there with Seth Rollins. As we're all talking about, like Seth Rollins, great as a chicken shit heel face run, not so much. Um, you know, he's, he's his in-ring ability kind of gets him over with the crowd, but his face character is, it's, it's evolving. It, it's coming along. The Miz is spot on right now with his heel work. It, it's the perfect foil for him. Would not be shocked if we see Miz move up the, the ladder, could wind up in the main event picture. Um, you know, would love to see the Daniel Bryant Miz thing unfold in the ring at some point. So I think this is one of those things that's going to benefit both these guys. I think Miz is going to go on to bigger and better things. Um, I think Seth Rollins uh, is going to have a real solid run, if not great run with the IC title. The IC title, I mean, if we're critical, a lot of the WWE, if we can be thankful, the IC title, thanks to Miz and hopefully Seth Rollins, the IC title is more prestigious right now than it's been in decades. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. It matters. The IC title is relevant. I look for this match not only to be a really good match, but I think we're going to get some really good storytelling in the match with The Miz being involved. So I'm looking for, you know, potentially a show stealer. I'm looking for Seth Rollins to go over and have a real solid run with that IC title, Dave. Yeah, I mean, these two guys have great chemistry. They they worked really well together before even their match at WrestleMania last year. They've had a few matches with each other. I think Rollins 
As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think Rollins and Miz last year on Raw, and I want to say they were with Balor, maybe it was Samoa Joe, one of the two, had a really great match. And the chemistry that Rollins and Miz have is in ring is just it's, – it's unmatched in my opinion. Um, and, you know, this time Balor's not around, you know, in the match, and I'm okay with that. But if they did a rematch of the triple threat, I wouldn't have had a problem with that either. I'm expecting a great match. I mean, Miz has brought his A game, and I've said it before, and I will continue to say it again, and you may disagree with me, but the Miz does not need the Intercontinental Championship anymore. The Miz does not – there's no need to elevate it. He has done everything, in my opinion, that I think he could. If if it's for him to win so he can have the record, um, then then that's great, but I really – he doesn't need it anymore. Miz – needs to be in the main event. Miz needs to be competing for the WWE Championship on SmackDown. And Miz could be the top heel on SmackDown in the main event, in my opinion. He's, he's definitely earned his stripes, and he surpassed being that, you know, the, the, the top mid-card heel in WWE, in my opinion. So uh, my pick for this match, I'm going to go with Rollins for the victory over the Miz. Well, uh, I think this... Correct me if I'm wrong, Ken, but I believe this is going to be the first hat trick of the night after all the after all these matches. Um, we all picked Carmel, didn't we? Okay. Yes. <laughs> that was the last match. <laughs> but uh, it all brought uh, great points brought up by all. I agree that uh, when you look at the IC title now, it's almost looking looking at it as it was worn by Mr. Perfect back in the day. It was a, a really, you know, a prestigious title. Uh, Miz did a hell of a lot of work elevating it. You couldn't have asked for a, a better elevation of that belt. And I think Seth Rollins is the person to carry on that prestige and defending it. And now I do agree that, especially with the landscape as it is now, um, you know, looking at something like maybe Miz v. AJ Styles or something like that, I am not uh, not opposed to that, uh, to, to seeing that matchup. That would be an interesting matchup. Uh, and and this Miz has done the work. He deserves, you know, I, I'm not saying that he must be in the main event title picture, but he has at least earned that right to have a chance at it to see where it goes. And I think he has all the tools to, to make it a, a potential great run. So we'll see what happens, but I definitely agree. I think you're going to see Rollins retain, and I think you're going to see the Miz uh, start moving up into that uh, main event time picture. And I think Rollins is just the right guy. You know, the one thing that I was, as a fan, I don't say nervous. I mean, it's pro wrestling. (laughs) I'm nervous. Um, But just, just, you didn't want to see what Miz did for the IC title get lost. You wanted to see, you know, the, the next guy to kind of carry the mantle. I think Rollins is definitely the, the perfect candidate. And who knows, maybe a year from now we'll be saying, he's really moved into that all-time great kind of stratosphere. But remains to be seen. Battle of Samoans tonight. I just didn't want to leave this match for last. <laughs> Roman Reigns main event is too much, man. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's – I. Storytelling, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with Reigns. Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm gun-shy on this match because it's, uh, you know, it's like, do you pick Reigns? Because that seems to be a, 
a snake bitten pick. Um, you know, I love Samoa Joe. I love what he brings to the table. Um, I don't like the storytelling. I don't know if this has legs. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm at a loss right now with everything going on with Reigns. I don't know what to make of of this right now and what this match will be. I think we're going to get an entertaining matchup. I think it'll be a hard-hitting, fun matchup. But, again, it's one of these matches where I think it's going to be good, but I'm having a hard time sinking my teeth into it. What are your thoughts, Rob? Um, Are we making picks yet, or are we just evaluating the match? Because you can do a little both. A little little evaluation, a little picks. Yeah. Um, Because you know what? I think I've seen a storyline form in my head. Uh, that I think I can get on board with. And th- there, there are other pieces that have to, to move uh, within that, ti- that uh, main event title picture uh, for it to happen. But I-, I can definitely see it happening because in-, in this particular contest, the contest of Samoans, if you will, um, I am not going to go with Roman Reigns. I am going to go with Samoa Joe. I'm going to tell you why. Um, and again, the Roman Reigns character has been literally beat to death. Uh, you've, you've put this guy through the ringer. He hasn't come out the way you've wanted it to. On the other side of the spectrum, you have Samoa Joe, who has, who has the crowd with him. Even though he's a heel, he has the crowd. Um, I can see the scenario where Joe beats down, just beats down Roman beats down, gets the victory. And to me, the, the link is that Samoan heritage. You know, after the match, you see a, a, a broken down range, you know, where do I go from here? And you see Samoa Joe over him just saying, you, you know, you lost because you lost whatever it is. You lost where you came from. You're still dressed up in this shield bullshit. You're still the same old tired stuff. You're Samoan. You're Samoan, but, you know, Change the character, go a different. If you want Reigns to remain the, the face, if you want, because if you want him to go heel, well, well then there are p- plenty other ways to do that. But in this in this particular case, I can see Samoa Joe beating him down and then taking a mentor role. Like, look, you want to be somebody? You actually want to freaking you want to represent represent? Then this is how we're going to do it. We're going to build your ass back up after. And I proved it to you by beating your ass down that you need to build it up. That's the way I see it unfolding. I'm from, so to clarify, my pick for tonight is Samoa Joe over Roman Reigns. Interesting. That's, that's, uh, I, I think I'd sign up for that, that storyline. I think that could be fun. On another note, like Miz, what he's wearing tonight. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like so ridiculous, but it's so obnoxious. It's just the Miz. it is the Miz. It's like red and gold. He's got a red and gold a headband. It's uh, it looks like some reject from Cobra Kai. So that's just good nice. stuff. It's it's almost like an amalgam of like something that like Cobra Kai and Pinhead from the Hellraiser movies. It's like a combo of there was a Cobra Kai gi and. But the dude from Hellraiser was wearing it. Like, that's kind of what we're looking at. Dave, your thoughts on this matchup? I expect nothing but a hard-hitting, badass, you know, physical type of matchup between these two. These two have never disappointed when they've gotten in the ring together. And I don't think they will tonight either. Um, But we talked about it on last week's show. We beat this subject to death. And 
and the, you know where does you know, where does Roman Reigns' character go from here? And I'm not going to sit here and speculate anymore where it could go, but unfortunately, I said it on last week's show, and I'm going to say it now. I think you know this is, and this is all based on speculation and things I've read, whether it's true or not. But I feel like they're going to you know go status quo Roman Reigns, and he's going to be you know the guy that you know gets those you know visceral reactions but he's still going to remain true to himself and the people are going to hate him and they're not going to they're not going to accept him but they're just going to forge right through with it and they did that with John Cena and I'm so sick and tired of them doing that um because I feel like in in years past in the history of wrestling you had to be really bad in order for them to eventually love you and I feel like Reigns has the potential to be a really good bad guy and and have the potential for eventually the people to really like him, um, and for whatever reason they just don't want to go with it. I, I if I and I'm going to play fantasy booker again, even though I said I wouldn't do this, but I'm going to play it again. If if I were Ray, if I were booking this, I would book Reigns to lose, and this would be part of this losing streak that leads them eventually turning on the people and 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 finally showing a more aggressive side and the edge, and not this sympathetic character they've they've been trying to build. You know this this you know the this version of Daniel Bryan. Do you have a Daniel Bryan on the show? You know, you don't need more sympathetic characters. I don't look at Roman Reigns as a sympathetic guy. I look at him as a big, strong, badass dude that gets it done in the ring. And lately he hasn't been, his character has not been getting it done. And his character has been made to look silly. And Samoa Joe has made him look silly. And, you know, Samoa Joe's promos have been on fire since he's returned. I mean, he's always been good on the mic, but his promos have just been on fire from the night he came back after WrestleMania till till now. He's just been hitting on all cylinders on the mic. And what doesn't help this buildup is that we have the draft. Joe's on SmackDown, Reigns is on Raw. So once this is it, you know, tonight this is it. And Joe already made his declaration clear that he wants the WWE championship, whoever comes out of that between Styles and Nakamura. So this match feels like a throwaway in many sense. And I, I I didn't really agree with the buildup. Joe comes out, he talks trash, and Reigns is just you know, you know, there to take his to to, to take an ass chewing from him every week, and then now it's gonna you know it's gonna be over with. You know, I, I felt like the, the 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 storytelling has just been inconsistent with the two of them together, based on the fact that they just made some roster moves. So why am I gonna want to invest in this match if both characters are gonna be split up and separated? Um, you know, but. Needless to say, I, I, Reigns is going to win. And the only reason why I say this is because he just got destroyed, you know, two big shows in a row with Brock Lesnar. And, you know, he's, they're, they're obviously going to, like I said, he's status quo Roman Reigns. He's, you know, poor me, feel sorry for me, and hope that the people feel sorry for me to get behind me, but it's not going to happen. And, that's, and like I said on last week's show, and I'll say it again, that's not Reigns' fault. That's management's fault. And that's all I got to say about that. Great match. Reigns is going to win, but I'm going about Roman Reigns' character progression. I'm done. Yeah, man. I mean, it's funny because, you know, I'm listening to both of you guys talk, and it's kind of, um, you know, you get in your head what what you think should happen and, and what you'd like to see happen, and then what realistically it's like, no, nah, this is what they're going to do. And, uh, you know, I, I think Brock, like your storyline could be interesting, could be intriguing. Um, it could be a catalyst to at least change up the Reigns character. But I, I, I got to go, Dave, on this. I, I just think this is a, 
maintaining the status quo. Um, I don't know if anybody really knows what exactly they're going to do with Roman Reigns, but I think it's, he got his ass kicked. He's going to win tonight. Uh, they're going to go their separate ways and who knows where they're going to move forward um, with the two of them. But I, yeah, it, it sucks. Cause I just look at this. I'm like, there's a lot of creative directions they could go in. Um, but I think this is just a way that um, not to, to use your phrase, Dave, it's a, it's a throwaway match and it's a match just to give Reigns a victory. That being said, it's, it's kind of one of those storyline going in. Um, didn't do much for me. I think the storyline coming out of this, uh, wouldn't shock me if it doesn't do much for me, but I think bell to bell, we're going to get something, a lot of fun, hard hitting. Um, these guys, you know, they know how to get it done in the ring. Their styles complement each other. Well, so I think there's going to be a very good matchup. Um, it's just everything else surrounding it to me is a little bit of hot garbage. Anyway, moving on, let's get back into some of these championship matches as we got the ladies raw women's championship on the line. Um, to me, this is a match, uh, Nia Jax, Alexa Bliss. Could we have a shocker and somehow Alexa Bliss like brings that title back home? I don't think so. I think this is, uh, you know, Nia Jackson, it's time for her to retain it. She finally got the title. Uh, to me, there's there's not a lot to analyze in this match. I think it'll be a fun match, especially these guys being friends. Um, it'll be an entertaining matchup. Uh, but I think Nia Jax retains this title tonight. Dave, your thoughts? Yes, yeah, she just won at WrestleMania. And they, they, they made a big deal out of the fact that, you know, because she's a plus-size woman and she'd been bullied, that, you know, this is a big accomplishment. So I feel like... Having her lose the championship to to Alexa Bliss again will just kind of backtrack her character a little bit. And um, I hope that this is the end for them right now, currently, between these two characters. And we see Nia mix it up with some of the other girls on Raw and Alexa move on to something else. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of continue this, maybe with some Mickey James involvement because she's kind of the sidekick to Alexa. The match at Mania wasn't bad. It, I wouldn't consider it great either, but, um, I mean, I, I, I see Nia winning it. I, I can't really say anything else other than, like, I don't have too much invested in this match. And it's nothing against the talents and the, and the, and the girls per se, but, you know, I felt like maybe the, uh, the, the, the story should have kind of ended at Mania the, the way that they depicted her, you know, Nia Jax's victory. I don't feel like continuing it, even with the, the rematch at you know, this pay-per-view tonight, was not really necessary. Maybe they could have done the rematch on like an episode of Raw or something like that, and Nia moved on to something else. But, yeah, that, that's how I feel about it, unfortunately. But it should be a fun match, hopefully. Hopefully it's better than the last month. But Nia with the win. Yeah, I I gotta say that when you look at this match, uh, it, it does look like kind of like a throwaway match because uh, because this is going to be a hat trick. I do believe Nia is going to retain. But if there's one thing I can interject, I have been enjoying the promos that Bliss has been doing, uh, those old school bullying promos that that she's getting bullied by Nia Jax. I I thought that was rather entertaining. That's why you know if, if this is not over, I can't say I'll be too. I'll be too sad because I think they do have good chemistry together. I do agree with Dave that maybe the the match to get the strap on high wasn't the greatest. So maybe this is their 
you know, this is their second chance to put out a, a better showing. But I would like to see Nia, uh, you know, mix it up with uh, the other ladies on the roster uh, as far as the belt goes. Um, do I think that the belt is going to make its way to Alexa Bliss sometime again? Probably soon. I wouldn't be shocked. But uh, I do agree that right now this is Nia's time to shine. Uh, you know, let her have uh, her time for a bit. So I think you're going to see Nia Jax retain her world championship. And we got another hat trick. Nia Jax victorious tonight. Um, let's move on. Uh, let's see what I want to hit. Hmm, not a lot left. So, so we're going to go with the Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton match. What year is it? <laughs> a singles match for the United States Championship. Uh, as we were talking before, two all, like all-time greats, two all-time greats right here. They walk away from the business tonight. They are all-time greats. They have assured themselves to be Hall of Famers. Um your thoughts, Rock, on the United States Championship matchup? Well, you know, admittedly, I, I don't have too much skin in this fight. Uh, but on paper, looking at a match between Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton for, for a title, you got to think, well, this is going to be a good match. Uh, so I, I don't think it's going to be disappointing in any way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, there's no real argument for one putting the other guy over. Like you said, Ken, uh, you know, what year is it? You know, both of these guys, well-established superstars, definitely well-established all-time greats. If, if they left the business today, they would be in, definitely in that category. Um, so, really, this match is a real big toss-up for me. Uh, just for simplicity's sake, using the, uh, the, the, champion, the, the championship privilege uh, and the, the advantage, I'm going to say Jeff Hardy retains – uh, for no other reason than I really could flip a coin in this match. Either one could win, and I'd be happy with either one winning because they both do the belt justice. Yeah, it's interesting. This is another match where I guess coming into it, I'm not, I'm not necessarily overly excited. It's not. And this is where I keep going back to like my attitude on this pay per view. Um, you know, coming into it, it's not, it's not doing a lot for me. But I think this is going to be a very entertaining matchup. I think this is going to be. You know, two all-time greats uh, that can still go. Uh, that I think we're going to get a a real solid matchup. But I'm going to agree with you, Rock. I think just for argument's sake, I mean, uh, you know, I could easily see Orton with that belt and doing it justice. Uh, but I think Jeff Hardy is going to retain the U.S. Championship. Your thoughts, Dave? I kind of like the setup for this match, and and I'm. And the reason why I like the setup is because I, I think I kind of have an idea where it's going. I think we're going to see uh, a Randy Orton heel turn at some point uh, with Hardy interrupting Orton uh, a few weeks ago on TV, uh, introducing himself to SmackDown and, uh, you know, the two of them kind of playing, you know, can you top this, you know, who's better than the other. Um, we'll see. And we've seen Randy Orton's character in the last year or so take a lot of losses hasn't really affected him. He's still over. People still think he's credible. He's popular. But Randy Orton babyface to me, it just doesn't does it doesn't do it for me. Like like we talk about Seth Rollins babyface run, Orton as a babyface doesn't do it for me. The only thing that gets him a pop is the fact that he can perform the RKO, you know, literally out of nowhere or in many different various various ways and 
other than that, like that doesn't, as a baby face, that doesn't do it for me. Like as a bad guy. And, and I go back to Ken, what you've talked about in the past when it comes to Orton and, and his storytelling as a bad guy was the, 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 the Stephanie McMahon, you know, the DDT and then the kiss while triple H was handcuffed. I mean, that was probably his greatest work as a bad guy ever. And granted we're in a different era of wrestling, but we can see some of that with Randy Orton. Randy Orton just knows how to be a dick. And maybe it's because he might be a dick in real life. Who knows? I don't know the man personally, but he plays a jerk really well. And I think Jeff Hardy knows how to take a beating, and Randy Orton knows how to give a beating as a bad guy. And I think the potential of the two of them mixing it up further as this feud goes along, I think is very promising. And that's why I was intrigued by the way that they set this up. Here's an interesting statistic for you that I stumbled upon. I didn't do this research, okay? But apparently Orton and Hardy have wrestled for all the major chance they'll be making history tonight. This will be the first time that they'll be competing against one another for the United States title on a, on a, on a pay-per-view they've wrestled for every single major championship. WWE has to offer the WWE championship, the world heavyweight championship, the intercontinental championship and the tag team championships on whether it's pay-per-views or raw. So I found that stat kind of interesting. And we talk about all time greats, And like you said, Ken, these two guys, definitely, if they called it quits today, they'd be all-time great. But Jeff Hardy, they throw this term around Grand Slam champion. Everyone's a Grand Slam champion if they win the titles. Hardy is the ultimate Grand Slam champion. If you look at his statistics, he's won the WWE title, the World Heavyweight title, the Intercontinental title, the European title, the Hardcore title, the Light Heavyweight title, the Tag Team titles, uh, the, the, the WCW Tag Team titles, and now the United States title. Hardy has is, is held over nine different championships within WWE, more than any other champion in the history of WWE. He's the ultimate Grand Slam champion in terms of statistics. As far as this match goes, I know I just gave you a lot of stuff that probably doesn't mean dick in terms of the build-up of this match, but uh, it should be a fun match. And I'm, I'm, I'm expecting Hardy to pull out the victory, and we see the early signs of maybe Randy Orton's character deviating back to the other side as a, as a heel. Hardy for the victory. And we got another hat trick with the four of us. Incredible stuff, you know. And that's right, guys. I, I need to take a break from pro wrestling and just and just shout out some some well wishes. Because um, you know, when we do the show, I like to keep abreast on social media and if any news comes down the pike and, and wrestling related. But news has come down, and, and as as a as a male, as a three of us as men, I need to on the air give my best well wishes to Yadier Molina catcher for the Cardinals. Um, he took a, there was a 102 mile an hour fastball that uh, was foul tipped and yeah, right. Yeah. Which required emergency surgery and he will be missing at least a month. Um, and, and as a guy, and I know we're, we're wrestling and we stick it, stick to pretty strictly, you know, we're just going to talk wrestling as I'm, I'm scrolling through and keeping up, and I got the, the WWE Network up, watching the pre-show. I got everything up on my my computer screen here. And when when that came over, and then, yeah, it's just not good. So I thoughts, well wishes. I cannot even begin to imagine what 102 mile an hour just, uh, yeah. I, I mean, did, didn't really catch anything else but the, the bat and then his nether region. So all of us here at the Ken Reedy Show, uh, 
our, our thoughts to Yadier Molina on a, a speedy recovery. But I, I just like I, I can't see Dave, but I'm looking as I'm telling the story. I'm just looking at how uncomfortable Rocky is getting as I'm relaying the info. Oh God! Uh, you know, to talk about something to seg- segue into uh, into the last match. Exactly. <laughs> You, you, you can't write this stuff, folks. <laughs> the way it happens, it just oh, oh, that's just oh. Well, before we before we segue into the last match, now that you've brought up uh, gruesome injuries in athletics, what about some gruesome injuries that we've witnessed in professional wrestling over the years? Uh, does anyone remember the incident when Sid Vicious? Tried to jump off the second rope, which he had never done previously, and then he snapped his leg right in half on pay-per-view. That's still, honestly, that's still like the worst. That, like I, you know, I mean, there's been injuries and maybe injuries that were even worse. You know, we saw when uh, Seth Rollins' knee buckled, but uh, you know, nothing that that injury was just that I've seen. Well, you know, when you when you see Sid sit up and look at this, like, oh my god, <laughs> maybe. I- Maybe I'm just sadistic, but I think that. <laughs> no, I think, like, look, we're, we're kind of like, you know, we're borderline giggling here, but it, it's it's kind of a discomfort, like, kind of, I, I have to laugh because I'm really uncomfortable. But, yeah, I mean, I, I remember when I saw that, like, that was one of the, the worst things I've ever seen. And that was, I mean, in, you know, we're hitting sports and, and wrestling. I mean, that to me was wrestling's Joe Theismann. I mean, when Joe Theismann, like, broke yeah. his leg, you know, that was horrible. Monday Night Football. When, or Robin you know, Ventura. The image of, what was that? Robin, remember when Robin Ventura slid into home plate? And the, 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 we didn't see it on television, but the look on the umpire's face when he saw his leg sticking out, remember that? I remember the umpire saying, but at least we didn't see the uh, – Yeah, you know, yeah. Apparently, thank God for Joe Theismann, apparently he passed out. You know, as soon as I was like, you know, that's that's what I'd want, man. If that ever happened, God forbid that ever happened to me, like just just go out. And I just remember that where like Lawrence Taylor just uh, screaming for them to get trainers on the field because of how bad the injury was. But uh, yeah, to me, I mean, I don't know, Dave. I mean, again, you're you're the uh, the guy. You're the historian. I can't think of anything worse that I've seen. I mean, there've been some pretty bad injuries. I remember when John Cena. Uh, Taurus Peck in the ring, but again, it wasn't gruesome for us watching. Uh, I remember when Randy Orton uh, broke his collarbone, and that wasn't so gruesome for us to see. One of the worst I think I've ever seen was when, um, and it wasn't that bad an injury, but when Kevin Nash dropped Big Show on his head in in WCW, and it just looked so bad, and you saw Hogan outside the ring react to it and you knew like oh my god like did he just paralyze uh big show um or the, the giant at that time uh that that sticks out for me um oddly enough like in in uh not in slow-mo but in real motion i remember when obviously when stone cold but i didn't realize how bad it was first off it was when you saw the replay in slow-mo and you're like yeah wow he really pile-drived him yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know if, if I could think of, I mean, you, Dave, might be, a, I can't think of anything worse than Sid. Well, you, 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 it's funny that you mentioned that Nash powerbomb to the Giant. If you go Google it or look it up, Nash actually successfully powerbombed him a year before at a pay-per-view. I think it was Super Brawl. It was the Outsiders against Nash and the Giant. And he picked him up and powerbombed him like he was powerbombing Rey Mysterio. 
if you go look it up, you can YouTube it or Google it, or whatever, maybe put it on the Facebook page. But the, 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 the shock in, in the fact that he was able to, 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 to pick him up and, and powerbomb him that way. And then a year later, he tried it again. And it, it was like he dropped like it was it, Kevin Nash dropping the giant looked like me trying to take eight or nine bags of groceries from my car and bring it to the door. And then they all just fall right out from under me and hit the ground. That's what Kevin Nash looked like when he went and slammed the giant. But as far as injuries go, I mean, gruesome. Um, we're in the 20-year anniversary of, of the famous Mick Foley leap off the hell in the cell with Undertaker. And granted, you know, he didn't have major injuries from that, thank God. But just looking at it was pretty gruesome in and of itself, you know, knowing the severity of, of, of the falls that he was taking. The, probably the hardest thing I ever had to look at and watch, and you, I know you love this moment, Ken, but this was difficult for me to just watch was when, and I talked about it on, on, I think, last year's Backlash pre-show as part of my throwback, was when JBL busted open Eddie Guerrero, with, and that blood came out for, uh, pouring like a faucet. I was like, I did, and I don't get queasy much, but even watching that back like now, I turned my head a, just a little bit because it was just, I, I'd never seen anything like I'd seen blood and wrestling, but nothing like that. And the chair sound that it made, holy cow, like it was just, it, it was it was unreal. Yeah, I, I think you got to give it to Eddie for completing that match. For Christ's sake, I, I I wondered how much blood did he lose because that was fucking that, that was crazy. Yeah, because when you look at like that was one of those matches where you look at all the bleeders of the old school, and I remember you know being a kid in the the wrestling magazines in the eighties, and you know our, our guys back in the day were known for you know the bleeders and everything, but. Um, you know, looking at guys like Dusty Rhodes and looking at their foreheads and everything like, but that match with Eddie was, and that was, you know, I used to have a group of friends and we got together for every pay-per-view. In fact, like when W, when the Monday Night Wars were going on, we got together for WCW and WWE every month. Um, and I remember like, you know, we were a bunch of guys in our twenties, like hanging out, boozing, watching wrestling, just a guys being guys and yeah i remember like people turning away from the <laughs> the um tv like a little bit of the dry heaving like or people walking into the other room like i can't watch this anymore like it was that sort of reaction and it was it was it was buckets you know um yeah before that like i remember the uh hell in a cell match with uh sean michaels and mick foley um, the amount of blood that was coming out of Shawn Michaels. And that was a lot, man. I remember that that struck me when I watched that match. And to me, that was like a paper cut compared to what Eddie was. I mean, Eddie was just like, Jesus Christ. Like, gonna, I mean, I hope they have a transfusion ready for you in, in Gorilla because there's a lot of blood out here. And that was, that was probably, you know, again, when you think of like old school guys and, you, you know, you would tend to think if, if someone asked you as a wrestling fan, like what was the, the bloodiest thing you've ever seen in pro wrestling? And you would almost think that your, your gut response would be something out of the the seventies or eighties. Um, but to me, that match with, with, with Guerrero and every so often I do go back and watch it. And it's just like, I always like think, did, did I remember it? Like, is it not as gruesome as I remember? Like maybe I'm exaggerating in my head and I go back and watch them. Like, no, it's it's bad. It's, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope. Yeah, yeah. Wow, like I mean, anytime you're bleeding and there's 
puddles. Like, that's a bad thing. Like, if you can actually step and it will splash, that, that's a lot of blood. I, I'm wondering if there, there has to be, uh, is there some way to find out exactly how much blood you lost? I, I'm so surprised you made a fright. Like, Kudos to Eddie, God rest his soul. How the hell did you pull that off? Yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy tangent we got off on. But as it came from Fox to Yadier Molina, the most gruesome things I've seen in pro wrestling. Maybe we need to do a show just dedicated to gruesome stuff in pro wrestling. But with all the stuff we talk about, we come back to Eddie and, and JBL, and that was that was something else. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, in, in recent memory, the, the, the main like, uh-oh moment was – Recent memory was Cena and Nakamura when Nakamura, I think he was doing a, a back suplex and almost dropped Cena on his head. And I think even even Nakamura when he got up, you saw him kind of half react like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And Cena, and Cena made him look I'm good. Well, well, speaking of Cena, like let's just we'll go back to when uh, Rollins broke his nose. Yeah. And like all oh, of yeah. a sudden, like the the knee goes up and Cena's nose is on like his cheek, you know. <laughs> And again, to, to Cena's credit, Cena just went went out, didn't miss a beat. He's just like, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm smelling, I'm smelling my armpit from sideways. Yeah, but I'm cool. I'm cool. I can smell my ear now. Sean, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. <laughs> I just want to know, you know, you know, the ref had to ask you. You know, the ref had to go and ask him, "Are you okay?" <laughs> And you see someone's nose in that kind of orientation. And, like, really, is that your go-to question? Are you okay? No. Yeah, should, should I throw the X up? You know, what's going on there? Crazy stuff. Jeez, yeah, that, that probably the most recently. That was, like, there were a couple of John Cena there. And, and also, not for nothing, every time you see Daniel Bryan wrestle now, it's almost like a, a, a wince factor whenever you see him take a shot to the head, which, you know, really is – bad when you think about it, that you really have to worry about Daniel Bryan. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, too, and hopefully hopefully everything's behind Daniel Bryan with that, but uh, nice nice little tangent we got on there as far as, like, gruesome, gruesome moments in wrestling history. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, we got the WWE Championship on the line. No disqualification matchup between Nakamura and AJ Styles and just to check on the Twitter sphere um as of this point like the the guy John Cena is still leading our poll with 45% of the vote Chris Jericho and Nakamura are tied at 23% of the vote and other holding strong at 9% or as who has had the greatest feud with AJ Styles in the WWE John Cena Standing strong in first place. Um, you know, these two are, are, are great competitors, uh, talented. I I have found this program a little underwhelming, and maybe it's because of the hype surrounding it and just kind of wait till you see these guys. Um, I like the heel run now with Nakamura. I think, to me, that gives, that gives me more to sink my teeth into as, as far as a character goes. Um, so I'm digging that. I, I think we should get an entertaining match tonight. I'm hoping that we get a match that will live up to the hype with these two. I'm hoping we get something that that's going to be like, oh, there it is. And there's, you know, almost like that's the match we thought we would have got at WrestleMania. You know, no DQ opens it up for these two. Um, you know, I'm going to be pissed off if they steal our spot. 
Because we did a spot, and Rocky and I wrestled, and I went to punch him in the junk, <laughs> and he was wearing a cup. Oh, and yeah. I damn near broke my arm. <laughs> so they, you know, <laughs> um, but I don't know. We're, we're going to see. Like, we're probably going to see a crotch shot at some point. Um, you know, Molina, if you're listening, maybe not watch the pay-per-view tonight because <laughs> there's definitely going to be a crotch shot and bad flashbacks. Um, but I, I still think, like, this is an historic run right now, and I, and I don't think it's time to, to put that belt on Nakamura. I, I just don't think it's time yet. I don't know if he's ready to be the WWE champion. Um, and AJ is just so good right now being that guy at the top that I just, you know, it, it's like the antithesis of Brock Lesnar. You got Brock Lesnar who's held the universal title for as long as he's held it, um, you know, wrestling twice a year. You know, he's going to break CM Punk's record probably wrestling half as many matches. Um, and then you got the other side of it, AJ Styles, who is the WWE champion, which should be considered the more prestigious champion. And he's a fighting champion, and he continues to give us great stuff, match in and match out. Um, I just think this is something that it's, it's special. It's a special run with the WWE title. And I don't necessarily think it's time to end this run. I think, you know, I don't know if Nakamura's the guy, maybe down the road, but I think this is something that, you know, the, the title should stay on AJ. So I'm going to go with AJ Styles with the victory. Dave, your thoughts? Well, I do agree with you. I think the no disqualification match uh, stipulation is going to help this match. And I hope it kind of lives up to that dream match scenario that it didn't live up to at WrestleMania. I really feel that the Nakamura heel turn has been very helpful for him and it's given people, you know, like yourself and just fans in general, more of a reason to not care about the character, but be invested in him uh, aside from his, uh, his entrance music, which by the way, if henshin, okay, his entrance music just changed recently and Corey Graves, Great announcing. I don't know if this was a line fed to him or if it was something he said on the fly, but he explained that Nakamura changed his entrance music so that the idiot fans in the WWE universe wouldn't hum or sing his music along with him when he came down to the ring. I thought that was genius. And that was one of the things I was kind of worried about when they turned him was like, well, how are they going to change his music? It's got such a presence on TV that like, how are you going to, you know, and, and it's so popular. How are you going to, have him come out to that same music and they, 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 they switched it up and they kind of gave us a little bit of a, a remix of it, which I thought was good. Um, I'm, I'm in agreement with you that AJ's going to win this match. He's going to retain the title uh, based on the fact that I think Nakamura just getting the belt um, right now in, in early in his heel run. I don't think it's necessary. I think people are paying attention to him right now as this, you know, heel, uh, the whole, you know, AJ Styles, I hit you in the junk, in the pee-pee. Like, I think it's working for him. I think the whole low blow thing is his gimmick, and I like it. Um, and he's really running with it. I think he should continue running with it. But um, I don't think he needs the title with it. And I, I like the prospect of a potential AJ Styles-Samoa Joe match for the WWE Championship. So I'm going to pick AJ Styles for the victory. And I'm sure, Rocky, you're probably going to pick Nakamura, and he's going to win the fucking belt. And then that's going to be the end of our picks for Backlash. So without further ado, take it away. And you know what, Dave? You know, I, I, I'm totally shocked that you would do that. Why are you going to tell my pick right before I give it? Because I am going to pick Nakamura. 
for especially for someone who damn you, Rocky. Especially for someone who stole my er, my early heel gimmick of nutshot being your finisher, because I did go for a run where it just seemed like I was winning every match with a nutshot. But I do I do expect to see a lot of a lot of that during this match, and I think they're they're taking the chance to maybe redeem themselves from what everyone was anticipating will be such a, a, a you know blow the roof off a joint match for WrestleMania. But I you know when I think about it. It, you have the face chase the title, not the not the heel too much, and I do agree that this heel turn has made Nakamura fresh. It's really reinvigorated the character. I do like what Dave said. I do like that they changed his music, and he explicitly says because I don't want to listen to these stupid fans. Um, I think that was great. Um, and I think with the title, you, you're gonna give him the title to Nakamura. You're gonna have some legs because earlier when I made my earlier picks with uh, Roman. And uh, and uh, Samoa Joe, I do see Joe. Uh, you know, if I know that won't happen with the brand split and whatnot, but if you see Joe make a face turn, then you get Nakamura and Samoa Joe too, which in my opinion was a great match in itself. Uh, so I'm actually going to go with Nakamura finally with this stipulation and many more shenanigans, uh, being able to pick up the victory and the belt. Uh, I'm going with Nakamura. The to face or balls, it don't matter. I have title. God damn it. <laughs> Ruby Riot just won. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> On the board. And I am not. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, well, it looks like I'm not going to be gaining any sort of ground in, in this pay-per-view, but... uh. No, it's fun. I mean, lots of good stuff. I mean, I, I think this is one of those weird pay-per-views that, again, I'm I not necessarily looking forward to it, uh, per se, but I think there's a lot of potential. Um, from what I saw of this match, this looked like a pretty good match. Um, so I think you got a lot of potential for a lot of great matches. It's just, uh, it's all, like to me, it's almost like a holding pattern uh, pay-per-view. I don't see a lot of crazy stuff uh, coming out of it. Um, I think we'll have some solid matches. Um but, you know, I think uh, hopefully it'll be a good pay-per-view, you know. I, I, again, I don't think it's going to be a needle mover, but I think we could have an entertaining three hours or so. And in all honesty, when it comes to pro wrestling, I would much rather have an entertaining three hours than having to sit through another five, six, seven-hour wrestling event that's just gotten uh, a bit excessive. So, okay, thanks. <laughs> So just to let you guys know, Dave kind of hit it on the news, but uh, all you guys enjoy Backlash tonight. Love bringing you our picks each and every pay-per-view. But next week, spend some time with Mama. Go go to dinner, get her a nice gift, do some nice stuff. We're going to take next week off so we can spend time, time with our mothers and, and do the right thing. So we'll be back in two weeks uh, to talk pro wrestling the best in pro wrestling talk and uh you remember dave's show will be coming down the down the pike at some point in 2018 uh so we'll look forward to that so lots of great stuff coming out of tonight's show we'll be back in two weeks to bring you the best in pro wrestling talk we got to think of some more themes to do some more themed episodes um now those are some fun stuff so we'll definitely think of some some more themes to do but uh I don't know. We'll come up with something. 
I, I think gruesome injuries are wrestling words. Gruesome. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be like tossing during this show. <laughs> anyway, guys, you guys go out. Enjoy WWE Backlash for Rocky and Dave. I'm Ken. Good night, everybody.